Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez with my partner, Brad Binkley. And we are happy to have today as our guest, the creator of a fantastic documentary, really factual and moving documentary, Planet Lockdown. I really, it was, it's so professionally done. It is so bold. Um, This is, we'll let him tell you about it himself and about himself. We have as our guest, James Patrick. Hi, James. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. And I think the best way to do it is for you to, because I'm always really interested in how people, you know, what you did obviously took a lot of work. It brought a lot of expertise to it. You know, you're going to get a lot of flack for something like that. So I'm wondering if you can tell us about your background to actually be able to do this and then how you made the decision to do this particular thing. And if anybody helped you with it, funding or anything like that, how it came together. Yeah, I guess um, I guess I was I was researching these sort of subjects on um, I'm from Washington, D.C. So growing up around the, the, the problem, I guess it's I'd been researching what's really behind things and always it didn't seem to be that politicians are making too many decisions. So that kind of led me to the Federal Reserve and and who, who's behind that. And then. Really, that kind of led me to Austrian economics. I was looking for an explanation of, of how that works. And um, so I'd been kind of researching these topics for 15 years at least. And um, so when this all happened, it really, I think I was aware there was a problem right away. And uh, especially, re- re- you know, reading a lot of economics, it was, it, the, the lockdowns, the global lockdowns looked more like an economic consolidation strategy absolutely yeah that was right Binkley we had uh when we first started talking about this that was the first thing I, I I thought I was like what is really going on here and I thought it was a correction from the 2008 can kicking I was like yeah. they kicked the can they were at the end of an 11 year expansion and interest rates were two percent so normally if you're gonna go at the end of an expansion like that the cycle that they impose upon us though they then lower interest rates by I calculate went back a hundred years or as much far back as I get and they they generally reduce the interest rate by five percentage points. It, when they have a crash like that, like you know like the cyclical correction, and they only had two points to go. And so for months before that I was saying how on earth are gonna they gonna deal with the next recession? And it was a great reset. Yeah, exactly. So like this yeah, this big correction was kind of in the wings and about to happen. And then they sort of like, I guess in September 2019, they sort of let, started letting out a lot of inflation. And then in, you know, four to six months before all this started. So they kind of papered over all the government overspending, papered over all the bank over inflation expansion, and then just sort of like expanded even more. And so it's just like yeah. taking the can down and keep, you know, reinflating the bubble. And now I realize that it took that kind of, we know what I don't know if it was a doubling of the, the, the money's like M1 had already quadrupled anyway, but like whatever it is that they were just pumping so, so crazy amount of money. They needed the fiscal stimulus to get it out there because it's debt based. And now I realize like that's what it took. Now interest rates are rising because now they're over five percent or whatever. I don't know what the Fed funds rate, but like mortgage rates are over five percent, but they will get the interest rate up to where they needed it to be as the as the reset. And that that is enough. Of an, you know that that to me seems like the number one. There's something they had to get done. The number yeah. one reason, and they yeah, needed to. 
that's always interested me how wealth distribution happens through these mechanisms. So very few people understand it and just, you know, whole, whole sections of the economy can be absorbed through this sort of surreptitious creation of money. And um, so I guess when it first, when I first heard lockdown within three days, I really figured out, okay, this is, they're collapsing the middle class, they're closing all the businesses, they're stopping their, their operations. And, and that'll lead to a cascading series of bankruptcies. And then every, all these businesses will fall into the hands of the, their lenders and the government. And then um, even in countries like Panama and Paraguay in the, Amer- in the Western Hemisphere, really free market countries, started giving welfare for the first time. And so it's this global sort of depend- creation of this dependency. And that, that's what the first thing that ticked me off was like, what, this is, this is really an economic move. And then that led me to research, is there references to lockdown in the epidemiological literature? And there's not. There's like, there was just a few. And then they would always say, don't do this because you're going to do way more harm than good. So it's like, and then they're like, trust the science, you know, and it's just, it's irrational. It's usually Fauci saying that himself. And then he comes and says the opposite shortly after and promotes the thing that he was saying not to do. And that's what we see. It's like the government has all these laws every year. They pass so many laws. It's like 70 feet of shelf space of laws every year. And like the politicians that pass them, allegedly author them, don't even read them. They're just handed <laughs> to them by by big business and then they just pass it. So it's just it's just awful what's going on. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> Did you come across Event 201 in your travels? Yeah, the, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. So there's the a... First thing you see. Yeah, one of the things that was came out of that was uh, it's on the Johns Hopkins website, but it is part of the world. It's part of that event to a one thing is that they had uh, seven calls to action. And uh, there were, you know, not, not one of them, or at least one of them was about global money flows. And then another one was about transferring wealth like that, like making sure there's welfare, rich to poor countries, all that kind of stuff. So I have to think more about that, that this is the place where they finally, you know, even countries that were not disposed towards welfare have that have it now. Like it really did change and it's going to bring UBI here. It made an effective $15 minimum wage. Like they, they couldn't, they didn't actually get it passed, but it's de facto now because it, the wages inflated to that point. It was going to, you know, so uh, that's interesting. So you are taking because I noticed all the Mises guys in your um, in the mm-hmm. documentary, and I didn't realize that was your first love <laughs> or the first passion that led to you being able to see these things with eyes open. And even sometimes like libertarians and Austrians and stuff don't always see like the true depth of the deception and the, obviously what has to be media control or, you know, it's not everybody sees these things as related. Yeah. A lot of them are like kind of eggheads and some of them on the virus issue, like probably more than half didn't, didn't get it, you know, I don't and know. And they'll say they like, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. Say that again. They're, they're really not. The Austrian economics people are not business people. They don't know anything about the market trades, like business, how finance works. It's sort of, it's all theoretical. So. So I guess I kind of want to I want to talk about the thing. But now, since we're on the big picture stuff, I have to ask you right out of the gate. I always try to find the real answer to what's going on. And sometimes, you know, I go back and forth between is it really about some kind of 
control mechanism on a global scale for all peoples everywhere, which that is definitely happening. Now, is that the primary goal or when the more in, in like your documentary and the more you get into what's actually happening, the actual tactics, the actual mechanisms of control, they really seem to flow from big pharma through like the health departments and stuff like it's it's disproportionate to if it's just like well big business you know or they're really trying to control the world but big pharma seems to to have more power these days than big oil yeah i would just i would see more like big pharma as a as one tentacle or or column in in a broader operation so the the money being made from the vaccines i don't think it's it's a little factor, but it's a small piece of the bigger picture. So I don't think big pharma is running all this. I would see it more as these interests. And then they, they have pharma, media, government, public health, and, and the finance. And I think the, the financial side of it, I think, is probably the biggest. That's There you're probably talking about re-engineering the world economy to the tune of $100 trillion, hundreds of trillions of dollars. So it's much bigger than just the $50 billion maybe made in in the vaccine sales, you know, yes, they're trying to talk, they're talking about this repeated perpetual boosters and things, yeah. but it, it, it just seems to me. Yeah. My gut is telling me with that, there's probably more to that. It's not just a, a money thing, you know? Yeah. It's, so, so when you look at, yes, the global, it does seem, so now we have over $30 trillion of national debt. And for me, like I decided a while back, I was like, you know, this does not get resolved within this paradigm. Like that's just not something it's either like just slavery and it'll be forever or there's going to be a correction, a reset. Something's going to change. We're going to have new dollars or something. And it does seem like the the digital currency is is the next step. I mean, the. IMF is talking about it. Biden did an executive order on looking into it. It's obviously, you know, I feel like like what you're talking about, if there is a big new financial regime, it's going to revolve around that. I mean, is that self-evident to you? Yeah, I think they're they're trying to basically usher in a more global global governance system. And I think part of that probably in the next three years would five years would be dismantling us as a big global uh petro petrodollar you know yeah. i think what's going on in russia pushes that around the the russian foreign minister said a few days ago our operations in ukraine are for the purpose of uh dis dislodging the us as the as the dominant world order thing so that's sergey that, lavrov is yeah that he, said he said that a few days ago so you know it just seems like that's yeah, I'm, I'm I'm concerned now. We could probably we could see a massive snipping of the standard of living in the U.S. And yes, because see, yeah, if the petrodollars go go away, then all the they just rush back into the U.S. and then you've got you think this is inflation. Then you have that you can't import anything, and we're relying on imports. You're right, standard of living. Yeah, everything could go up to. And maybe, times. maybe they were preparing for that with the Trump thing, where he was like, "Let's bring manufacturing back." And like manufacturing is just doesn't have the marginal productivity that like the service stuff. Like, why are you doing that? Why would you do that? And I thought maybe maybe we're gonna go to war, or we're gonna need to be able to produce our own stuff. If petrodollars come flooding back, we are gonna have to produce our own stuff, and it'll take a while. 
you know, and they're getting like, people into crypto too. They're baiting a bunch of people to get into crypto who don't necessarily understand it. I don't understand it as well as I should, but I know that people will get in on this fear of missing out and then it, it'll go through these periodic crashes and then they will sell everything and they'll lose all their money because they, they can't stick around for it to go low when all the wealthy people yeah. are buying it all up. So I think they're baiting people into the market. I, I, I'm worried they could crash that after they've gotten more and more people into it and then just buy it all up for, for pennies on the dollar, like Potter and it's a wonderful life and, and then, you know, make billions more. I think that's how they do the stock market. Yeah. I think that's why you get a crash every 10 years. So, okay. Right. So, um, your, so this was just, you were, it was clear to you from kind of early on what was really going on. And is, were you, so you wanted the answers and you decided to make a film about it. Yeah. I just saw a lot of really high quality people coming out, speaking out and, and the mainstream just went completely off the deep end and, um, La La Land of just pure propaganda every day. And so just finding those really good people and and getting a, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar camera rig and and doing a verte sort of just conversation style talking in the room with the with the subject. Um, do high quality recording and with high quality people and just just show the other side and let them talk. And so I set out to kind of make a documentary, but after three or four months I just started to release the interviews because the situation was changing so quickly. And then it turned into this big interview series. So I ended up putting out like 50 interviews with like 35, 40 people. And yes, I've been watching yeah, some this huge yeah. body of work. Yeah. And the, the quality is fantastic. I mean, is that, have you made films before? I mean, it looks like someone who had a lot of experience to get that done. Yeah, I made uh, three shorts in uh, short documentaries in high school and college. So wow. I, got, I mean, it's very how to use all the it's probably all testament the in part to the equipment that you invested in that. Well, these yeah, I mean, you know how to use it, though. It's tough to use. Yes. No, I yeah, get it. I'm can, not yeah, you many. have to know how to use it. And, and like, they, they got better over the time. Like if you watch Catherine's first interview and the second one, it looks a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But I had so, to go research the new the new gear and what was available, and so I, yes. I kind of put like forty grand on the zero interest credit cards and set out to make it, and had like a year to pay them back. Yeah, and, that's that's what yeah. I'm wondering. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, How yeah. Did you do that, yeah. and then just set out traveling, and um, really, it's you kind of European heavy. It's like two thirds mm -hmm. European subjects. So I noticed that. Now, yeah. why did you did it just happen that way? Because you called Planet Lockdown. It could have been American, but or. You know, I, I I see the people that you chose. Nobody, most of those people I'd heard about before. So, what made it kind of global or Europe heavy? Like I was I was in Europe when it started, and I'm kind of a Europhile, and like I enjoy spending time there. And so, I have probably more contacts there than than in the U.S. So, I just a lot of the people I saw they were really good, high level scientists speaking out. I mean, you have a lot more countries there. There's a lot more going on. There's a lot more institutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I it, yeah, it's just a different quality of people. I mean, I, I, now I'm kind of touring. I did, I did Malone and McCullough recently. Um, oh yeah. Malone went out. Yeah. Just to kind of get those under the belt. But, um, but yeah, I just, I went, I had, I had like two, I had like three interviews set up and then went over there in November, 2020. And then it turned into like, eight or 10 and then came back and did another round last year. 
uh, for three months over there. And, yeah. And then, yeah. On your website, planetlockdownfilm.com, there is like full interviews, but then you shoot to the bit shoot channel and there's just so many. I was um, knee deep in the Vigano one, which is like an hour and a half. How does that guy end up on the cutting room floor? He wasn't even in the documentary. Yeah, I wanted to do a whole film on him because he's so interesting, yeah. but he didn't want to do it. He was he just wants to do a remote interview. So with someone like him or any any of the people you talk to, Binkley and I, we we like are in a constant state of kind of screening the news for veracity. And uh -huh. um, a lot of that goes to the credibility of the person and, you know, what their past was and why they are saying what they're saying. And is it coming from a place of just pure integrity or they, you know, a limited hangout? I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the expression. And I, I wonder if without naming names, like when you go through, say you had a hundred people or 60 people, some somebody's probably going to seem, you know, when you look them in the eye, I don't know. I don't know what this guy's here for. Do you care about that? I mean, I, I always yeah, say yeah, limited hangout does more for me than it does for the for the other guy because he's seventy five percent of what he's saying is true. But how do you deal with that? Like, did you just get lucky and every single person seemed to check out when you looked him eye to eye? No, I mean that's. I think that's the value I offer. It's like I can, like a traditional journalist, like suss, suss people out. I only interview people I thought were for real. And, and seem credible and, and seem motivated by speaking the truth, not after their career. They're not chasing their Instagram following or, 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 you know, which I think is kind of a problem in the U.S. a bit with some of the people speaking out. It's like you wonder some of their motives sometimes. But, um, but yeah, you know, all the people I interviewed were extremely genuine, uh, faced a lot of, oh, I mean, a lot of them were independently wealthy, retired. Uh, Bhakti in Germany has been retired 11 years prior. Same with Vodarg. Uh, Michael Yeadon has been out of pharma and doing his own business for 11, 11 I think 14 years. I don't know. So, so a lot of these people are kind of out of the systems. Getting, it's almost impossible to get people in the system at a university because um, they'll lose their job. They'll be fired immediately. So typically it was these kind of retired, independently wealthy people or, or, Otherwise, you know, motivated by the truth. And I think that really comes through in the film. Like, absolutely, you, you, yeah. totally, you feel it in your heart when you watch them. They're like saying all these really heavy, profound things. And it's just I mean, it's a very emotional film to make. It was very difficult and heavy and, and, and just touching. I mean, it's just like it's really I put my whole life essence into that into that film and got into, you know, what was going on in the pandemic that, you know, the PCR test, asymptomatic definition of a, of a pandemic issues and then and then really the economy what's going on with the children and also like you know the spiritual side of what do you do to say no when the world goes mad i mean what do you do when it takes a lot of personal integrity to, to to say no to most a lot of people emailed me they were alone they're they felt isolated they were uh you know just watching the film helped them get get through it you know not 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 like lose your lose your mind i mean when everyone else is losing your mind what do you do it's just so it's really a spiritual question of like, how do you do what's right, have integrity and, and speak the truth and, and just say no. And when, when people are doing horrible things, they're trying to get people to hurt themselves, you know. The, this was true. Like watching the movie, I definitely the film, I definitely teared up numerous times and I was really moved by 
the courage and the integrity of the people who obviously, I mean, it, it seemed like it was pretty carefully curated for people of the highest caliber of experience and credibility and coherence. And that uh, these are very legit people who, in a lot of cases, were associated with these institutions that I would never trust as an Austrian, you know, liber- libertarian of the similar ilk to yours. You know, I would never work for the World Health Organization. But uh, but a lot of these people do go into that kind of thing with the intention of doing good in the world. And if they can maintain their integrity, they can come and have that conversation with you. But what's so what's so touching and empowering about it is their stories, their narrative actually makes sense and they can back it up. So it's not like some crazy lunatic with a tinfoil hat saying, well, although, you know, who knows if the tinfoil hats work, but I, uh, you know, you never know what is the next rabbit hole. But but I would just say that people, um, you know, you can tell these people are coherent and they say and, and you mentioned the definition of pandemic. And I, I really I really had to pause on that one because in watching the film, I absolutely identified what was so insidious about that. So what they did was. They it looked like it was about 13 years ago in 2009. They changed the definition of pandemic, I think, pursuant to some some contracts that they made with Big Pharma about when would it be appropriate for some kind of vaccine purchases yeah. or mandates. Or whatever. So it was all kind yeah. of hand in hand. But but when they changed the name, the definition of pandemic, like they took a word that had a very meaningful connotation since kind of basically the beginning of civilization. They were probably caused by civilization. Pandemic is a very specific thing. It's scary. And it, it really means it, it just leaps out at you from the history books of what that means. Just piles of rotting bodies, stuff like that. Well, typically so, we have epidemics. I mean, those are like regional yes. uh, diseases. And then pan is like the whole world. So yes, pandemics and are not really... Yeah, but they just they, they that's that's the the main scam going on is this changing of definitions. Mm-hmm. That's that's how all this is 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 possible when you have nothing going on, no one's sick, no one's dying. They changed so they anyway, changed- in, in two thousand nine. They were basically Wolfgang Vodar. I found him because he was the best guy. He he made us think about that in the German Parliament. He was a doctor and a public health official in northern Germany, and then worked as a member of Parliament, and then for advocacy groups and, and, and uh, Council of Europe. But he blew the whistle on that. And he, he showed like he removed the phrase many sick and dying. So no one had to be sick and no one had to be dying to, to declare a right. pandemic. But so because, when the public hears pandemic or the scientists. Yes, exactly. They're thinking about something real. And so it they all assume they're telling the truth. All of that they're emotion. Not. They're dirty liars and they're scammers and they're screwing us out of everything. And they, yes. they're using that as this authority to then authorize all these brutal measures that that's, that disenfranchise people. So it's yes. a massive scam. I mean, it's really... And then they sort of like publish a lot of other articles on the other side and try to pretend like they're... Yeah, like, they have, yeah, like you know, they're representing it. Yeah, totally. That they do. Yeah. And it is a little confusing, but that's why I say like a limited hangout, having truth dar or discernment as you have, like that stuff is valuable because they do speak against interest. Fauci talks out of both sides of his mouth all the time. But the other big scam was the asymptomatic thing. And they brought out and they brought out the exact example that I absolutely knew was true. It was the first asymptomatic spread was back in February 2020. It was a Chinese person in Germany, within two weeks, the German government issued a retraction of that study within two weeks. And Fauci will still, you can't, it's, it still cites that case 
in yeah. justifying yeah, so all things this, that can happen. There's this shady guy, Christian Drosten at uh, Charité in Berlin, kind of like a public health style agency as a foundation. And they, this, this fancy guy named uh, Christian Drosten is, is, is implicated in the scam on the PCR tests and on the asymptomatic. So in uh, New Year's Eve, he claims he was writing the protocol for the PCR test and he put it at 45 cycles. I pulled it off the WHO website. Wow. Really? Yeah. And he was uh, referring to genetic snippets that are generic to, to all SARS viruses. Cause he said, okay, well, China uploaded this, this uh, sample to this international database. A lot of people complained about that, that it wasn't such a professional um, entry. And then, and then they started making these PCR tests kind of based on generic SARS genetic fragments. And, and then using that at 45 cycles is the protocol. And then uh, in February, he published a paper um, claiming there was asymptomatic from this one Chinese woman that came from Frankfurt. And some German journalists chased it down and, and found out she was symptomatic. She had the flu. She was taking flu medications. And so this this, this shady guy, I mean, he must, I'd, I'd love to like rifle through his accounts the year before that and see where he's, I mean, like what yeah. motivates this prick to, to, to do these good sort of things. And he was on T German TV all the time going, Oh, get afraid. Da, da, da. We have to wear masks forever. Plastic wrap the kids, you know, da, 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 da. And the guy's <laughs> a total like slime ball. And like, and I, you know, these people self-select for these positions. It's like people like Fauci. It's like, I don't know how they go home at night and look their, their kids in the eye. And, like, His wife is a bioethicist, yeah. like a prominent, I mean, it's like, what? I, that's, yeah, I think people look at Fauci the wrong way. A lot of people, anyway, as, when they're looking at him as a epidemiologist, they're, they're, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, but he's not an epidemiologist, really. He's a propagandist, so he's doing that job very well. Yeah, I mean, Trump said it well once. I'm not, I'm not such a Trump promoter, but I'm just saying he was. He said, "Oh, he's a good salesman, not a, a D scientist, but an A." <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is yeah, so yeah. true. Say true things. They have to say true things to maintain but their I, credibility. I mean, hey, I just grew up around people like that in D.C. It's like they just. They're so into like, being like there it. and having these posts yeah. and being having these slimy jobs that do all these horrible things. And they're, they're sort of like sniffing for the money, looking for big business to fund their career. And it's just like, I, I you know, and yet, yet they're willing to just like walk over, kill people, do policies that just destroy whole part, sectors of the economy. And it, it's, it's not even about money for these kind of people. It's not even about um, make getting the bribe or, 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 or doing slimy things for money. It's sort of like they just want to get on the TV and have that post. And it's a very You're strange the dream. Yeah, it's a very unusual sort of person that, that you know, you don't yeah. see it in the general public so often. I saw I saw in the film, I wrote down a few names, actually, the the WHO director who is at a certain point is like speaking through the mask and just kind of totally lying. I forget the guy's name. Totally. Fauci, Cuomo, like these are people who appeared in Planet Lockdown, the film. And I, you know, you just wonder what is motivating them. And then you're the other guy in the film, the German guy who's a wolf, was this Wolfgang Vogel? Wolfgang Vogel, yeah. Yeah. And he actually did chase it down to, to find contracts with with vaccine companies and stuff like he found the motive he yeah. found the paper trail and i think that there probably is a pay i know they're doing it for the glory but there's there are paper trails for yeah. sure yeah i mean there was like probably five, i don't know if I, I hate to not know the number but four to six pandemic scares in the last 20 years yeah. prior to this and they 
they sort of like a lot was learned in those. So the 2009 one was a big one. And they, these, a lot of pharma companies, I think four or so got $30 billion in sleeping contracts for swine flu. So they said, Hey, you know, Germany, they're secret in, in sleeping, meaning they only are activated when WHO declares a pandemic. So they went and signed all these things. And a lot of these governments are like, yeah, sure. You know, if it's real, we'll, we'll, we'll buy these things. And then they went and lobbied WHO to change the definition of pandemic, remove that phrase, many sick and dying. And then after they got that done, a month later, they were able to, to lobby the WHO to declare a pandemic. And Vodark found out it was like based on 800 cases in Mexico. Again, a PCR test. They, these, some interest had hired these uh, kind of uh, intelligence firm to run around a PCR test in some province in Mexico and then drum up this, this kind of allegation there was a pandemic starting. And then with that, they got the $30 billion contracts cleared. They bought a bunch of useless vaccines, injected 2 million, 3 million people. I think there was like, I don't quote me on this, but it was like, I think about 14,000 injuries. It wasn't wow. as much as we're seeing with these, but... Right. Um, I think they, they injected a lot of uh, Europeans and, and some Africans, but they were just like useless products. And I mean, in general, like, you know, one thing I discovered was like the flu vaccines and and common cold vaccines like n- never worked when they were they were tried in development. They, yeah, it just didn't work there. Or they're they made it worse. Would- like it's not a big enough illness to even warrant. Even if leaving it's the whole vaccine debate aside, you know, like it's not a big enough illness to, to warrant a vaccination, like for a common cold. And, and this thing, I mean, I don't know. So when it all started, uh, you know, I was in Spain and then I was like, this escaped Madrid a day before they locked. And, and then I was like, you know, still up in the air, like what's going on? How deadly is this thing? But then by about the first week of May, you know, high, high quality scientific studies started coming out like Johnny Ionidas in, in Stanford showing it was like the common cool, the common flu uh, infection fatality rate or even half. You know, he, he did that seriology report in the Santa Barbara County and it was like 0.05. So point yeah. or point was it 0.1 is flu and it was like 0.05. So it's like so when you when you what they were doing in the beginning, they were saying like, OK, well, when people are coming sick into a hospital. Well, let me just say also that they redefine a case. So they would say, okay, in the beginning in March, in the mid-March, it was a person coming to the hospital sick was defined as a case. And then they get tallied, right? And then they, they change the definition like five or six times over the course of a month to go from that to just someone having a positive test. So you don't have to be sick. You don't have to come to the hospital. Nothing has to be going on with you. You just have to take a test and that gets, that gets tallied. And they made it law everywhere. It has to be reported to the local public health agency. And that gets reported to this Johns Hopkins, um, like this, you go to the coronavirus, Johns Hopkins, uh, COVID, whatever room or whatever, they have this black screen with all these scary yeah. dots on it. So I was following that in the beginning and have friends in public health and was asking them, you know, tr- tracking it like, okay, what's going on? And I was, I, I had a friend who was on the WhatsApp group with the Madrid government public health thing. And so I was, like, when are they going to shut it? What are they going to do? And like kind of getting status reports. And it, so I was following it very closely from the point of view of, of the public health officials and seeing like, God, they really got this thing tied up here. And then, but then it really was until May, first week of May was like very clear that there was nothing going on. There was like mainstream Ivy League professors publishing reports. WHO published that on their, on their bulletin, that, that study. And, and, and yet they're still telling everyone to freak out and be lunatics and run around with masks. And, and, and this whole talk of, 
and this whole talk of vaccination was like coming up like within within three weeks. You know, I mean, within three weeks, they're saying the only way out is a vaccine. And <laughs> and I had German friends, you know, saying, oh, the only way we're going to get back to, to normal going to, to bars and clubs in in Berlin was to have a vac- vaccinate everybody like in the in, in, in the beginning of April. So it was worldwide. I mean, I'm just repeating what the media is saying. It's yeah. just like makes no sense. Like you never have an indiscriminate global max vaccination yeah. program. Like, but all the media was saying just, that. All the governments were yeah. saying that. I mean, doesn't that strike you as? It's very weird. And it, the exact know. same stuff. The same way you said it with the same tone, the, the same words, very strategic. And we, you hear them at the think tanks first, then you hear them disseminated across all media. Yeah. And I just interviewed McCullough like a month and a half ago. And he's, he said, you know, if if we had a if we had a, a safe vaccine, probably you're talking about with this kind of disease. Realistically, if you're going to vaccinate people for it, it might be three million people in the United States. So it's one percent of the U.S. population. You never just run around injecting everyone. You'd only inject any anyone who really had some sort of reason to. Right. So it's just the throwing out of all medical like history yes, rationale. Yeah. Like just abandoning everything, pushing this fear, and then pushing these these agenda points, but not like through the, the press and public health officials, all in unison, all worldwide, all at the same time. You know, you'd see governments around the world issuing the same edicts, the same days, and and, and it had no bearing in the scientific literature. They weren't even mentioned in the scientific literature. Social, I did put a clip of the former chief epidemiologist of Sweden saying that um, his name begins with a G. He was saying, you know, all these things, social distancing, closing borders, yeah have no bearing in, in medical science there. And they didn't do it. But what do you, I mean, this is a, this is a mystery. Like, or I shouldn't say, we can speculate, but what do you, what is your gut on how, who is the power behind the thrones here? I mean, I doubt it's Klaus Schwab because we get to see his face and I doubt it's the queen. So, I mean, it might be, but like, what is the overarching, you know, who coordinated all of this? Is it just the events who are one people, World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins and Bill and Melinda Gates? I mean, I just I just think it's more than just Gates. It's more than just like Pfizer. It just seems it seems that the power to to conduct an operation at that level is just looks like large financial interests. I, I would guess are who same, same kind of people are behind the central banks. You're talking many trillionaire, right? You know, a different level of 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 oligarch. I mean, and then the ones we see are probably lieutenants. Yeah, like the Soros Gates. These guys look probably are more lieutenants running certain aspects of of a broader operation. But I think what's going on financially is definitely would dwarf just the pharma sales are. So yeah, for- people, and, and also we're, I, I should just say, we're kind of moving out of this whole, they're trying to push us into this like global government or global yeah. environment. And, and, and this is sort of the, they're using this medical excuse to do that. So it's sort of like everyone's still looking at in things in terms of nation states. They're looking at things in terms of, you know, I'm a Frenchman in France, I'm an American or I'm a, a Chilean or something. It's like they, what's going on is controlling all of these governments and, I can see one mechanism is IMF World Bank, how they're, they're the Belarus leader yes. whistle on that, saying that all the free cash, you know, being dispensed yeah. by IMF this year was predicated on blue lockdowns, masks, That's and right. vaccines, yeah. and now probably vaccine passports. So it was, it was, uh, July 2021, IMF announced a $650 billion COVID relief package 
issuing SDRs, these special drawing rights, IMF money based on baskets of currencies that, and, 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 and you better believe every penny of that is predicated on vaccine passports, COVID restrictions, all this shit that the WHO, excuse my French, is, yes. is, is putting out and sort of putting out and then saying, oh, well, we, we don't think so. But now like they're like WHO isn't recommending boosters yet. It, yet clearly like this is a big part of the whole thing. And it's like there's none of it makes any sense. I mean, you just have to take like two minutes and just think about it. Like, And I'm, yeah. I'm just shocked people just run like sheep into the into the meat grinder with this stuff. Cause it's like, it's just fear. Yeah. But the money, the money does make sense in that not only the magnitude and not um, only the idea of the can was kicked after 2008 needed to be reset. But I had been thinking all this time with these incredibly low interest rates for so, so, so long, if bankers are running the world, they seem to be on the wrong side of this deal. And then it always occurred to me, I mean, it's possible they always play the long game. That's for sure. It's possible that they're just using these extremely low interest rates to lure us into more and more and more and more debt. And then when interest rates start going up, they will literally own everything they will own us so we have 30 trillion dollars worth of um debt and we've had very low interest rates for for a very long time so we don't we don't feel the pain of that but if those and the the interest rates are going to start coming up i mean the entire deficit will be you you could spend a trillion dollars on interest in in no time with 30 trillion dollars worth of debt yeah i mean i think mark twain said a banker is someone who like what is it? He wants your he 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 gives you an umbrella when it's not raining, and when it's raining, he wants it back. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's it's like, you know, all these things seem very set up where they're like put, putting putting people in a bind and then coming and collecting when it's yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah, the, the the hand that lends is the hand that 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 calls the shots. You know, yeah, they hate it, you. It takes, I, I always. <laughs> When like kids, the first thing they do as adults, like the rite of passage is that your parents co-sign loans for you to go to college to do something that probably won't even make any money for a debt that you wouldn't have qualified for if they actually did an NPV on it. Like that we are so indoctrinated that we hand our children over as indentured servants at the age of 18 before they even have a job. So yeah, I'd encourage young people to go into trade schools. I mean, you can make like over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. And it's just like, why, why go to school, get brainwashed and bankrupt. And then it, it's just such a scam right now. The education, I mean, it's such a big problem. I mean, huge. I agree. Totally. It's awful. And there, well, we get, well, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> so, so now um, I, I don't want to stop. I have a, some other big picture questions for you, but I had a couple of specifics about the film. I noticed, I don't know how you hooked up with the Archbishop of Kazakhstan, but he, Schneider, what was his name? Yeah. Bishop Schneider. Bishop Schneider. Yeah. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah. He did see. I would love to talk to him someday. So he, but he was obviously pretty uh, uh, living through just like, um, was it the Czech former prime minister and president of the Czech Republic was also? Yeah. So these are people who really saw firsthand communism. They weren't super old, but they were old enough to remember. And um, and they both identified earmarks of things such as like well, hate speech and conspiracy theory were yeah. ways that communists persecuted you for objecting to what their their um, programs. And I 
I, I didn't realize that it really got down to even that level of tactics that we were seeing. These guys really identified as communism. You could also identify it as kind of fascism with the globalist corporations putting down kind of regulatory regimes before the governments can even catch well, up. I love if we could play a segment of that. But, but yeah, I mean, doing all this research and this stuff is just finding these people who can articulate it. So he he's a very thoughtful man. And um, I'm not Catholic, but I was drawn to to him and Vigano for, for their bravery speaking out. And it, it seems there's also this agenda to undermine all the world's religions. And, and so uh, the Vatican's undergoing a lot of crazy stuff right now. I am Catholic. And, so and they banned the, yeah, this Pope banned the, the Latin mass. <laughs> so he's trying to blood. avoid divisiveness. So he's banning things and saying he's not being divisive. But, right. um, but yeah, v, uh, Schneider is very articulate. I, there's this great 15-minute interview on the website with him. I caught up with him at this kind of anti-COVID conference in a little town in Austria. And he showed up as a guest speaker. And he, he was like, it was this amazing interview. Like, it was just this 15 minutes. He sums it up. Everyone should watch it. It's unbelievable. Like, is this just, one of the interviews on the Bitchy channel of Planet Lockdown? Yeah. Because you can click through to that. If you go to planetlockdownfilm.com, yeah. they're right up, up front is full entries. If you click through those, that takes you to the BitChute channel. And so I found... Rumble and Odyssey, yeah. yeah what I'm so going to do, I'm going to make a little product out of all of these and do, like curate them more and introduce each of them. Oh my gosh, they're Why they're great. good. But um, but this one's really amazing because he's he, he goes through his experiences with his, his, his grandparents and parents who are thrown in gulags and... He went through this whole, they were Germans that settled in the Black Sea and then later were thrown in gulags and then went to, to Kyrgyzstan. And then he ends up now being the Archbishop of Kazakhstan. But he's kind of travels a lot and, and a very honest guy. And, and uh, he said, yo, I don't want to rise in the Vatican hierarchy because it's so lonely in there. And I'd rather be with people and, and meeting families and stuff. And he played these Russian songs on the piano once when I met him and Really, wow! Really cool guy, yeah, super but, um, cool guy. And created, then you had, yeah, he so created he, charity to help people who uh, declined the vaccine who were fired. Wow! Catholic charity for that. So he's that's a very amazing. genuine, good man. Like really. Wow, that's and, great. Yeah, I wrote. It's the same tactics, even the same phraseology is used in the communist period today, where they're saying you're a conspiracy theorist, you're hate speech, you're you're plotting against the party, you're. You're conspiring against the good of the people and uh you know we need to isolate you uh tag you throw you in camps i mean this is this kind of it's the same language even the same phraseology so i noticed that and i sought out the, the highest level of people i could find who who can articulate that point and like him and vigano they they sort of view all this as a, a 250 year old masonic conspiracy to undermine the west and i i kind of agree with part of that and that, that really since the French Revolution, we've seen these waves of revolutionary movements that have overthrew the old world order, the monarchy, aristocracies, and church, and put in the sort of new world order of, of the republics. I think America did have a part in that, you know, um, creating a republic here. And, and the U.S., I think, has been kind of used as this fat cow to, you know, since really 19, 1898, the Fed, kind of and the Fed the was there to underwrite the central banks of Europe, if I understand correctly. And we did. Yeah, just, it just seems like a coherent uh, movement here. I, I don't think it's so ancient. Like, there's all these silly Illuminati stories that go, oh, it's... And the Etruscans or Eritreans or something. I kind of view it the as... white robes. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that is misinformation meant to confuse people. But, yeah. but I do see a 250-year-old 
yeah. plot that sort of follows with the republics. There's the same symbolism, the Phygean caps and liberty and these, these symbols of Illuminism and Masonry, they're kind of wrapped up in it. I, I don't think Masonry really is significant in this picture since World War II. Um, oh, really? Yeah, well, but you still see this, this symbolism used in the in the media and the Hollywood. And, well, the Holocaust survivor, Vera Sharva, I think her name Shara. was? Sharav? Shrav. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was, yeah, Sharav, yeah. She was saying, like, bringing it in also from the other totalitarian direction, which was that it yeah, was, like, unhygienic, and it was, you know, uh, spreading diseases, so, which I don't think there's much difference, like the communist fascist thing, the totalitarian. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, similar yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they, but yeah, so they, all these buzzwords and catchphrases and techniques and tactics that have come from the past that have been tried and true that we, that it's just amazing to me that the, the media, academia, the politicians, whoever is behind it has really just blinded people from such the obvious. It's it's almost like there's a, like a blind spot. They just cannot see that that it's you know, it's like that. That was it. I don't know who said that yeah. the, the trader will have like a flag and a Bible, you know, and just walk you down the road to perdition. It's that they come out as like um social justice warriors and then they're bringing ideas from communism and fascism bernays called them logic proof compartments in your brain is you keep people emotionally triggered tribalism and they just they don't have any logic and you separate them off it's brainwashing yeah yeah and like uh louis fouché in marseille he was he said you know well we were always told in france remember the nazis remember remember never let it happen again <laughs> and now when i now when i draw the analogy they're oh you can't do that oh no it's not like that you know we're trying to be safe from a virus so like put a put a star on you i i once yeah, I, I, was exactly. working on, I found one editor uh and he helped me he tie up the film um because i got like 80 hours down to five hours then to two and a half and then he helped me bring it down to like an hour and a half. And um, that's the hardest part, too, is narrowing oh it down, selecting the what you want to keep. That's so the challenging part. That killed me the whole thing. Like, and, and but because uh, it's so open ended, no narration and just clip to clip. It was like yeah. it was great. Oh, I have to point out I had that in my notes. It was masterfully done in that way. I mean, just masterful. It was almost like, you know, a story. I, I just couldn't believe how perfectly seamlessly it was uh, put together like that, even to the point where I was going to ask you if like the water in the background, if you if you had any sense that like water appeared in the background where people were talking, like uh, almost felt thematic in that way. What might have been just Probably be emotional. But yeah, but um, yeah, that was really difficult. But it, again, it's like I think I was able to bring in. I, don't, I didn't know it would work until the very end because it was just like. You know, then I added 10 more minutes of of news clips to kind of contextualize some of the stuff. So it ended up being an hour and 40 minutes and then an hour and 50 with all the the exit. Right. All the bios at the end. But but it was so if people go to the website, that's where they can really just see that if you click through the because I went to see the Vigano one that Uh, is an hour and a half. That's a really hard one to watch because it's so dense. Like and he's just really dry. Like I wanted to get in front of the guy and film him. But he's just like he's really formally once prearranged 
statements and it's very he was hard. reading some you know i thought yeah, that was i didn't like do that. A, a, a non-prepared statement so, oh, so doesn't that raise your alarm bells like that's no that's i mean he's just old school not- he's just like he's just doesn't want to i mean it's his business he can do what he wants but he's just old school he's very he's traditional guy he wants to do things his way and in his 80s, you know, and he's, you know, because I, I want to adore him. Like, I want to, you know, not, I know, I think he could, like, he could really get a lot more, right? Uh, make but a bigger impact. I, I appeal to him. He's like, look, don't nag me, you know. So, what did you so, say? What I appealed to him to do it, and he was like, look, yeah. quit, quit pestering me about that. Like, fuck because off. some, some, <laughs> he, he's it's almost too on point. Like, he wrote a nine page thing on Ukraine. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's unbelievable, like insight. Yes, not- from this like historical knowledge, saying things like, yeah. like one thing I put got in that interview, like half of it was kind of Catholic questions that that Robert Moynihan did, and half were kind of my yeah. uh, COVID questions. And so I might cut it down and add me asking those questions. But it, don't cut but it down. Don't cut down the, the thing that's on BitChute. Well, I just take it and just have the COVID issues, not the Catholic. Oh, I'll cut it in half, but, but don't. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Had, I'm not finished with it yet. <laughs> like he was like saying, like, okay, well, this is this is I found wild. Like I never heard anyone say, but I was suspicious of it. He's like, oh, well, the entire enlightenment was like a scam. You know, oh, the, you've got to listen to our friend. He does the Hidden Life is Best podcast about yeah. Francis Bacon arranging the enlightenment for the Gnostics. Yeah, well, yeah, Bacon. I mean, but but see, here you go. Like, I mean, Bacon was really big in the creation of the U.S. And he wrote that book, The New Atlantis, and a lot of the one early American mm-hmm. coin said the New Atlantis. This is a Baconian project. It said like, so I mean, the, really, the U.S. story is tied up with that. Um, yes, and I always thought that about the Enlightenment, and then I felt so sad when I thought it was a scam. That, yeah, well, it was used like you're saying, like propaganda. You don't say fake things. You don't say untruthful things. But you say truthful things. You propagate the truth and things that help your to see people to push them over to things that they. So it's like it's never telling transfer a lie. it. Yeah. So I remember when, like, I don't know, it was it five six years ago? Russia got involved in Syria, and the New York Times is like, "Oh my God, Russia dropped so many bombs, so bad." They hit this many cars, this many trucks, this many units, and they didn't say what the units were. They're all ISIS units. Because if they said right. it was ISIS, then everyone would be like, "Oh, well, that's okay." But if they, like, but they said technically all these truthful things. So it's like that right. critical information would get you to look at the story very differently. So, um, yeah, I think like the Enlightenment really says a lot of truthful things about about uh, wisdom and self knowledge, self understanding. That, that we have divinity in us, that everything is per- permeated with divinity and we can kind of seek to understand the world and da, 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 that sounds so great. But what it was used to do is a sort of divisive uh, set of ideas that would break down the, the, the belief in the church, people's allegiance to the church, and then it would free people up to then be filled with something else to, to adopt. Now we oh, have that's this- what cults do. They break you down and then they fill you up. That's what they do. Yeah, and now look at people. They're totally lost. They have no, they don't stand untethered. for anything. Yeah, they're totally. untethered. The and 60s they're, was the coup de gras on that. Yeah, and like, I, you know, so not that the church of monarchies or aristocracies are perfect, but they certainly look a lot better than the stuff we have today. I mean, now it's just complete chaos. And like, I'm yeah, not no, so- I'm thinking that that's why I want to like Vagano, but he's almost too, it's almost too, scripted and i'm not i'm not not yeah. i'm not but it has a limit it limits the the ability for the message to convey because because of that so i but i, I anyway i tried to, you know i could 
spend another year trying to spend a whole year trying. <laughs> I, no. I, yeah. I just feel like, you know, you're a Mises guy, right? So um, I might just total was, I went the full Rothbard for sure. Yeah. And then I started thinking, you know, agorism, I probably need some chickens rather than like Fiat is dead. Let's, yeah. let's just switch it out for chickens. I've got a little gold, but you know, chickens. And now I'm thinking, they're coming for your chickens. They're literally like the avian flu thing. They're literally coming for the chickens. Yeah. So, and your cans, your can of corn, yeah, and tomatoes, you're a white supremacist. If you have a can of tomatoes, you learn from know that the reference. Council on Foreign Relations. They, they, they link uh, the people that are getting into agorism that are uh, growing things on their own. They, I think the way she said it was, you know, people are a can of tomatoes out in, you know, their, their survivalist uh, plot of land. And that's just a couple of steps away from white nationalism. Yeah, 10 layers deep, you'll find a white nationalist, no matter what color they are, behind every can of tomatoes. So they definitely don't want that. And now I'm thinking, we don't really well, have WHO time. just put something out about homeschooling, too, I saw. Oh, did they? And they're going to kind of, yeah. they want you to homeschool. They want regulate. you to Zoom school. But, well, they say but, we should regulate it more. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, just, but I guess the solution is just to call these people out, out for frauds and that that really point out how the system is, is enslaving us. We're enslaved by the state and we're paying for, we're paying the bill for our own enslavement. You know, it's like, I know in, in private slavery, yeah, in private slavery, you have to own the slave and, and, and yeah. you own the house. You have to give it shelter and food. Yeah, now, have we, to live. We, we have to pay for our own shelter, our own food. Yeah. And then they get a cut of everything we do. Like with, with, with no contract, they call it the social contract. Right. It's they take your children's minds. The minds of your children is really yeah, the most valuable thing that they take. It's wrong. It's really wrong. And I think people, it's it's a lot to, to chew on. It's a lot to get your head around. But I mean, the sooner people do, the sooner they'll they'll be free to claim their own minds and their bodies. I mean, I think we we have to own our own bodies. And I, I brought that up in the film. Like you, if, if a slave doesn't own its own body, that yeah. I own my own body. And then by extension, I own my property. And then property rights is the core of like a civilized society. If, if people are running around stealing shit or, 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 or doing things with your body without your permission, I mean, you cannot call it a free civilized society. It's by definition, it's sort of barbaric, all against all insanity. So I think, you know, they, they go, oh, well, it's necessary for this. It's necessary for that. It's not, it's not necessary. It's necessary for, for control. It's, it's nothing to do with freedom. And like that's, and, and, you know, whatever with the origins of the U.S., but I, I, I do love America. And I think it's, it's, it is very unique in the whole world that the, the whole identity is around freedom. The, the, the idea of the whole country is about liberty and, and owning your own stuff having your own land. And, and that's another film I'd like to do in the future is called Remembering America on, on, on going back to these, the ideal in, 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 in the, at least the first six decades of the 20th century was like that you could have your land, have your house and you can be free and have a, have a life. And then now it's like everyone wants to live in New York, LA and, 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 and be depressed in the city. And it's like what, they, they try, if you try to do that, they've already disqualified any look backwards as wanting to restore segregation. 
Yeah, they can, they they don't do all this name calling, you know. Yeah, and it's really, I, and I like I've kind of had it with that. Like I I'm don't I like just to ignore it. I mean, I, yeah. uh, rather than dwelling on it too much or falling into the yeah. dialectic, I mean, it's important. I think we just articulate positive things. Don't it, give it energy. It's such a dark film to make, and it, it really was like a downer. Really, because <laughs> it was really, you know, I found in the end it was quite inspiring the way you yeah. brought it together, because like we draw a bone all the time and I'm beginning to think like I always talked about liberty and libertarianism and, you know, restoring the bill of rights and all of that. But I mean, we are so past that now that I'm a little bit in crisis as to what to do. But when I saw your movie and the people at the end were saying like, because of the people you chose, the people you got to talk because they're at such a level of credibility and integrity that them talking, you're putting that out can change minds like in a yeah. big way like if it's if it is exposed to a lot of people so then in the end i thought you know it really is about it because the entire control mechanism was fear-based and it was fear based on misinformation and you could potentially chip away at that with something with this actual thing and if it gets more exposure like that is that that actually made me feel like it was something that was solution oriented, even though it wasn't telling you, you know, how to not get vax injured or something, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. It's just, we have enough of those pieces and, you know, and And what was your takeaway from the last 10 minutes of the film? Of me, I was so inspired. Are you talking about? Yeah. For for me, you can ask Brad also, but I, for me, uh, I was so inspired by the Italian lawyer who said do four things he said civil disobedience boycott the green pass businesses people people ask for vaccines protest and rally when you can and fight stuff in court and then the other two guys the gym guy and the restaurateur who refused to lock down and one of them or both of them won in court and and i just that my takeaway was like there is action yeah that stuff helps i i found that to be helpful as well because people like you mentioned earlier uh People feel alone and they feel isolated. They feel like their opinion is not shared by those around them, especially when they're getting all the propaganda in their heads. When the reality is what they're projecting in the media is actually not necessarily the majority opinion. They just control the communication devices. But yeah. seeing uh, the interviews in your film, it lets people know that, yes, wow, other people do share similar similar beliefs to me. And I think it makes people feel less alone and inspired instead of doomed. Yeah, that's it's. I got I got an email from one Spanish guy. He's like, "Do you have the film in Spanish?" And I sent it to him in Spanish. And then he emails back the next day, and he's like, "Oh, I cried watching it, and I was uh, I felt so alone for so long." And yeah, yeah. To watch it like makes me feel so lot stronger. And, yes, you know, and because they're coherent people, you know what I mean. That they're you know you want to identify. You can identify them. You want to identify with them because they're they're real and true, and you can tell. Like you have discernment. You feel it. It exudes off their. It totally. It's hard to undermine their credibility. Yes. Which is that that's important when. uh, That's what I wanted to do is make a piece that 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 can make the 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 people awake not feel alone, but the people in the middle to 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 change their mind. Yes, that's who it's for. Yes, I totally agree. It's very effective for that because that's the group that so twenty percent can't 
ever be convinced of the truth. 20% can't ever be convinced of the lie. But all propaganda is designed for that 60% in the middle. And to truth is a very powerful propaganda tool. And if you can do it in that way, there was one little piece, one detail that I forgot to ask you since you had access to all those people and talked to so many of them. Um, I had COVID. Binkley had COVID. A lot of us have had it. Most people probably have been exposed to it by now. I very distinctly felt it was something totally unnatural. Did you get any sense from these people if they, these professionals, if they felt it was weaponized or modified or um, anything more sinister than just uh, overblown? I, I I don't like getting into that part of the whole thing. I think that, that that's... Just speculative. Well, no, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of documentation, like Mickey Willis did in his film that showing the documents in summer of 2020. And and I think there's a lot of documents recently, Moderna is having genetic fragments. But even in like January 2020, I heard, oh, they have HIV fragments in these things. It's, it's sort of like it's the, the, the virus is a pretext to do all these political economic things. So getting so hung up on all the the. the the facts about our speculation of all these things. It's like, there's a lot, it's true. They're doing all these things, but it's, it's, it's the distraction. It's the ploy. It's the, it's the cover story. It's yes, the just, holes to fall into. Yeah. So I getting hung up and focused on that, which most people do, I don't find really helpful to wake them up against the whole thing. I mean, like, you know, whether it was made in a lab, I mean, it was, I think it was made in a lab or, you know, but what, whether that's the same thing that someone else is getting a flu with, is, is totally unknown because they're, they're taking these PCR tests. So um, I just, I don't, I, I stay away from all that, you know? Yeah. Also the viruses exist. I think that's another distraction. Like um, I just shot a, a quick thing with uh, Markovitz asking her about that, you know? And yes, that, that to me, like was a little lacked credibility, her work on HIV, because like, I know, something about that. And it just didn't sound right. Um, but then it's I've seen people that. catch COVID. I, I've caught it myself and I saw, I got it from a person. I've got it from a person who was freshly vaxxed, but you know, it could be just a gain of function thing, but it does, stuff does spread. But it's hard to like show if you're saying there's this epidemic, pandemic, and it's flu-like symptoms and you list like four or five just generic symptoms everyone yes. has. AIDS was like that too. Everything throwing these stupid tests around that don't mean anything and just and and get positives with normal flu, then what the hell are we even talking about? Like, I mean, it's just like so that's where I try to bring it down to the basics, not speculating all these secondary, thirdary, fourthary things, but just just give people the first principles to to critically evaluate it. So I'm not discounting the the merits all these different issues. I just view them as. Is, is not as important. James, what what is your, I'm going to let Bingley probably has something. I, I don't want to end without making sure everybody's got everything out they wanted to get out. But what was your, um, if you don't mind sharing, kind of your educational background or what doesn't have to be specific or anything, or, you know, you really have a, I, you're, think very clearly and obviously can apply that thinking to a lot of different subjects. I'm just wondering how, how just was it natural or did you learn it? Yeah, just thinking in, in growing up in an intellectual family, and but I've, I've just intensive interest in reading, and I don't think I learned very much in school. Um, I was all I like personally, <laughs> like read and researched, yeah. but um, but I guess um, yeah, just having like journalists in the family and people who were 
just think clearly, show me the documents, make sense of the thing, understand what is the real point of the issue. And then I think like that's, that's where I think I can have a value in all this mess is like identifying the core issues and then communicating them clearly, you know? And so not getting distracted on all this different stuff that, that they may have its merits here and there, but that's really what we're suffering from is a lack of clarity and, 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 and confusion and in this general environment. So um, no, I, I think just like being interested, being curious, reading things, uh, just never like, I, I don't read books, read articles, read and go to original sources, go to, go to the original scientific paper. Definitely. Don't believe what the media says in some, some claim that was science, like go back and look at the scientific studies. Do they have any basis? Don't be afraid or intimidated to, to go on PubMed or, or go in and, and reading technical literature. It's not that difficult. I mean, if you just take the time. So um, that, that's what I think we need more than ever now is like just critical niche. thinking yeah, and yeah. do your own research, which yeah. is like dirty words, both of them. Yeah, that's thing. what I was about to say. That reminds me of uh, one of the stories I brought a long time ago when CNN yeah. and then all the other networks as well, they had these segments where I just pulled one up to see what the headline was, where these four words are helping spread vaccine misinformation. Then they do these long panel discussions on why do your own research is bad. And they link it to QAnon and they link it to everything <laughs> they throw in that bucket to try and demonize people, to try and just get people to blindly accept it. And we watch these people in these think tanks that are like, look, we're qualified to talk on this because we understand all this complicated stuff. And you you cannot understand it. So yeah. you don't have a right to even look at it. Yeah, I remember that article. It was unbelievable. Like in a scientific journal saying, don't do your own research. Yeah. That's yes. Crazy. I know. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. I mean, like. Some, somehow hate -y, Like you're, yeah, you're a hater. Just, <laughs> so I mean, just like. It's, it's all anyone should do. Is their right. research and, like, and people are on board with it, too. I'm like, do you understand? They're just telling you not to think and, and accept what they say. They're just like, right. yeah. It, it's it's crazy. The whole thing. Yeah, it's, so, it's absolutely my way. James, it's been so fun talking to you. Binkley, did I, am I cutting you off? Did you want to? No, you're good. I, any just a couple of things I, I want to say. It won't take a very long. Yeah, Your production value is very good. And you know, people who haven't done uh filmmaking they they often don't have an understanding of it that your film was good but if you see a bad film on on tv or in the movie somewhere every bad film just horrible film that you've seen ha took so much work and effort from everybody involved just to make something that's really bad so to be able to make something this good <laughs> is it's a it's a monumental effort it's very time consuming and tedious so a great great job with that it's and cool. i wanted to <laughs> Throw a little uh, trivia or just just some information that I, a lot of people aren't aware of, but I just find, find this to be a fascinating piece of information that maybe means nothing, but if it means nothing, it is an interesting coincidence. So you're familiar, I'm sure, with the television show Utopia with John Cusack. It was on Amazon, and the premise is, is that it's a story of an uber-rich guy who has a plot to depopulate the earth by creating a pandemic and then providing a sterilizing vaccine as a solution. And I saw that it, short clip. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it. I, I watched the series and it really is. I mean, he plays, he's playing Bill Gates, but a little bit cooler than <laughs> Bill Gates with his interpretation of it. But the, that show wrapped filming on October 16th, 2019. That's the day that they wrapped everything. Two days before or two days later, 
the John Hopkins World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation held the pandemic exercise known as Event 201, which described exactly what that television show had just wrapped production about with the pandemic spreading and depopulation. It's just interesting It's because it mirrored the pandemic and the dates or so. I don't know if there was any coordination there, but I find stuff like that. I think there was some planning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks like predictive programming or and the thing he says in that show is very creepy. He says that they're going to sterilize everyone with the shots or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah, the the idea is to sterilize them. And I remember the first time my, my jaw kind of dropped watching that show was one of the early episodes where they faked a girl getting really, really sick. Or maybe she got sick and they, they I think they were twins and they killed one of them or something. Uh, it's not much of a spoiler. It's in the trailer. So the whole reason they, they make everybody think that they cure this girl instantly with a vaccine. And then they get the entire crowd, everybody there. There's like, looks like the thousands of people are chanting free the vaccine, free the vaccine, give us the vaccine. They're begging for the vaccine in the form of a free the vaccine chant, which I believe I, I saw similar chants from activists when there were the, the vaccine mandate protests and everything going on. Yeah. Yeah, like in Africa, no one's wanted to take it. I think they had like 5% uptake. And then the Western media was saying, oh, it's because they, they don't get They're it. They're too poor. Of them. They, They're you know, scared they, of Tuskegee. Really give them access to them, you know, and you're like, yeah. no, they don't really want them. I mean, yeah, they, like, yeah, they, we, we can't get it to them yet. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah they got them. Like, no one took them. They were throwing them out because they right. were expiring. Yes. And then they're like spinning it like, oh, yeah, it's access, you know, incredible yeah. access. Now they're doing all these stupid things. They don't understand CBD how refrigerators things. work. Now they're promoting CBDs right. as a way to, as a way to uh, inclusion. You know, they're like, we want to include you in this digital <laughs> Right. So it's like the, they have the digital divide. It's the vaccine divide. It's inequality. It's equity. We've got to make sure everybody gets the vaccine. So it's yeah, apartheid, voluntary apartheid. Yeah, inclusion. We want to include you in this. This, yeah. this it it I mean, is was yeah interesting to see the different types of tactics they use to get different demographics of people to try and take it. They had so many different appeals. The CDC would do these messaging workshops every week to try and figure out the best stuff to do. They're going to people's pastors, the preachers in town. They're going to their barbers. They're going probably to their grandmothers, trying to find that influential person that will win them over. There was even a a, a brothel that was giving people free. You know, a free course or free uh, hour with one of the girls for the jab. Who funded that? I mean, like, who's paying for that? It's like a good <laughs> question. It was a, it was not the United States, but I hope it, it was government like, funded. Yeah, just, uh, like marketing for different demographics. That that was something I saw a lot. Like I asked Alexander Henry and caught in Paris, like whenever they were last April. May and like in April in the U.S., they're marketing this whole shedding thing and getting all the, the non-vaccinated to fear the vaccinated over the shedding because it was some reference in this Pfizer filing saying shedding, which is it's definitely true. I've observed issue. it myself. I'm, I'm, I'm doubtful, but I mean, I, I just like, really? in, well, yeah, because it was like there was one, it, it is an area in vaccinology like shedding. Yes. But these are different. These are these mRNA ones. It's oh, not I see what you're saying. Okay. And then, yeah. and then in the Pfizer mRNA filing for their shot, they did mention a paragraph that, that it could do that. Right. Okay. So that's, that was a basis for thinking that. You it know? is hard to understand how this kind of yeah. thing would, you know, and it's then, not a virus. But we, we got to kind of like talk it out or critically evaluate it. And then the, yeah. then the, but just from a psychological propaganda point of view, it was suspicious because it was like, 
they're telling all the all the 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 normal people to be afraid of the virus and just isolate and be lunatics. Right. Now this is the same idea they would tell the the skeptical to also to go stay get at a vaccine to be afraid of all the vaccine. So there is a scientific basis for the fear, but just the way it was marketed, it creates it tribalism. Like, but what was it for? Do you think it was for tribalism or do you think it was to get unvaccinated people well, to Alexander feel like pointed out to me? It was mostly in the U.S. social media that was really pushing that. And I didn't realize that until I was over there asking her about, hey, do you think there's a scientific basis to this? And she's going, oh, well, it's weird that it was in the U.S., mostly online. And all of us were forwarded these like pictures of somebody else's some other woman's text saying, oh, yeah, I had this irregular right. period. And then, you know, I had 10 people claiming that, that happened to them. But. I mean, periods are also changing all the time. But what like, do you think they were doing that for? To to create to create a fear of in the in the skeptical for the unskeptical to, to isolate people to get people right. Okay, so division. It wasn't to get unvaccinated people to want to get the vax so that no, they were not it was vulnerable to divide to and, and conquer. Okay. To, yeah, yes. make them impossible to be around of each other without. No, I get the know, concept. The, I just yeah, totally. create the same emotional state of fear right. in the unvaccinated skeptical. Uh, to the 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 vaccines, they're telling the vaccine people that they should be afraid of the unvaccinated, and then they're telling the vaccine right. unvaccinated they should be afraid of the yes. unvaccinated, and then just yeah. it, so it was marketing of the same idea of the same uh, emotional state to different demographics. So right. it's like think of the, the mask phenomenon. stuff too. Yeah, like with the ma- the mask wars, anti pro pro mask, anti mask. Right. You, you have somebody duct taped to a seat on an airplane for not wearing a mask because the the mask people raged out. It's the yeah, same dialectic. Get, so get the I was wondering once, what his like yeah, take once on you that see, was. Once you see the same theme, you see started seeing the themes again and again and again. It's like these guys doing this, they, they have the same script a lot and keep doing repeating the same things again and again. So when you see it like done, right. you just just take a little caution. Like I and just it's modular. So they people pull out really one get thing. about that at that that point. You know, you tell them no, oh, I don't think shedding's a big deal. And right. I mean, Alexandra, she, in her interview, she said, hey, look, you know, like whether it's true or not, like I'm going to live my fucking life. Like I'm not going right. to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to just because there's a flu going around, I'm not going to start not shaking hands with people. Just like if the shedding thing is real or not, I'm not going to stop shaking hands with people. So it's just how do you choose to live your life? You know how, what? And, th- and that's what's the important question we should ask. Not yes. like, oh, this frivolous fear, even if there's bases to them. And which we don't know if they're true or not. Like, we got to yes. live our life. That was in the film where they said, and I was surprised that you ended on this note because it definitely had a spiritual tone in that last moment, but it was true. It was that you, if I may, may I, I hate to, it is the end, but it's not like a plot oriented thing with the yeah, ending. Yeah. But you pointed out the truth, which is if you, if you, have nothing greater than this life or nothing greater than just this day-to-day physical experience in this body, you, they can terrorize you. And that if you, if you try to understand the fear of death, which has probably been used to terrorize humanity since the beginning of time, you may actually liberate yourself to live this life the way it should be lived. It's paradoxical. Like the, the people who are more clinging to the life live the least and the people who can kind of get over that fear can actually still live this life. Yeah. That we're, we're here in this like incarnation to, to live and do good and, or like to realize who we are. And it's, it's more than just your comforts. I mean, it's like you have to live in conscience, do things that you're, 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 you're proud of that you can like look your kids in the eye and say, 
I did the right thing, even though it was difficult. So, I mean, even a lot of people make a lot of money and then they, they, they live miserable lives. They're not happy. They're, they treat people like shit. They treat themselves like shit. And then they're not, they're not, they're, they're half a person, you know? And then, they, so the, the meaning of life is, is, is to do the right thing and to, to be true to yourself first and then, and then with others. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's getting lost. You know, when the, when the, the government and the public and the medicine and, and the media is telling you to harm yourself, harm your ki- children, harm each other, be crazy, you know, the right thing to do is to not do that and to be true to yourself. Yeah. Well, I think that is a great place to end this. And I just want to say, just I'm so impressed, not only with the film, but um, just with your clarity of thought and depth of thinking and your integrity to always kind of return back to the touchstone to not allow yourself to go off and to to be able to clearly distinguish, which I think was another thing that I heard you say, which I say all the time, which is clearly distinguish facts from opinion clearly distinguish those things and have conversations around, you know, make sure that you're not confusing the two because that you do get yourself into trouble and and you get off track. Yeah. What are the basis of all these claims like thrown at us? Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, I really, I just really enjoyed the film. Love talking to you. Um, It is planetlockdownfilm.com is the best place to go for it. And then just click through if you're interested in any of these interviews, I will really use that as a resource. It's a fantastic resource. Yeah, and soon I'll be making a, a course of kind of curating a bit more. And what's your next started. project? Do we know yet? Um, I'm going to do one on the children, what's going on in the schools. Great. And, and something on the CBDC. So. Well, let Which, us know and like, we'll uh, have CRT? The what? Like critical race theory stuff going on in the schools? No, the central bank digital currencies. Oh, so, okay. And passports and so this sort of digital infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. The future, sadly. The next well, great reset. Where everyone is a coder. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, that's for another time, but we can't wait. And thanks so much. And if there's any message you need to get out there, just let us know and we'll make sure people know if there's a call to action or a screening or a party or whatever. But in the meanwhile, I highly recommend people check out planetlockdownfilm.com. Thank you so much, James Patrick. It has been a true pleasure. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. It was great.